Hey everybody. Hi friends. I'm Megan. And I'm Allison and welcome to Out of the Average Podcast. Welcome everybody. We are super excited for this episode today. This episode is going to be released on the 12th which is two days before the anniversary of our very first episode of Out of the Average. Oh my god, so crazy. Out of the Average is going to be officially one years old. What a baby, but a full-grown baby. <laughs> well, no. Out of the Average had to grow really quickly because true it that. just went through a pandemic. It went through... Very true, right? It's been seasoned. <laughs> it's been seasoned. But yeah, we are so excited, guys. We cannot believe... Where that this year has taken us. That yeah, that that we've had a full year of episodes. It's this crazy. is wild. Yeah. Especially because this started out as something that we just like joked about doing. Yes. And then like here we are. We actually mm-hmm. have a podcast together and we actually have listeners who tune into what we want to say every week and we're so grateful for it oh my god so grateful and we've talked about this before i don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or if it's just been like ourselves but like literally if out of the average came out like a month later or if we planned for it to come out Mm -hmm. a month later this might have never even happened yeah so it's it's been a wild ride and so thank you for joining us thank you for spending all your time with us if you've been with us since the beginning and if you're just starting to listen right now we still appreciate you and we're so excited to move forward with you yeah we can't wait like us personally we just can't wait to see what the future holds for us here with out of the average we can't wait to see what stories we're gonna tell Mm -hmm. um we're really grateful that you're along this ride with us and a way to commemorate our anniversary is kind of to touch back on one of the our very first episode was called Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so we decided to go off that theme, especially because this episode is again coming out two days before Valentine's Day, which is mm-hmm. our anniversary. And um, Allison has a story to share with us today. Yes, the story of Cupid and Psyche. I'm excited about this. Yeah. We have to celebrate Valentine's Day with a love story. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) let's do this. Let's get a little weird. What do you say, Megan? Let's get weird. So I did call the story Cupid and Psyche um, because that's how I learned the story and that's how I'm going to be telling the story. Also, Cupid has been adapted or adopted really into modern day Valentine's Day tradition, you know, the little baby with the arrows, but that's not quite the Cupid we're going to be talking about today in the story if you're not familiar. Um, So Cupid is the Roman kind of version, the Roman adoption of Eros, who is um, the child of, there's there's a couple of different um, versions of how Eros came to be, but yeah. mo- the most popular version is um, him being a son of Aphrodite, goddess of love and beauty, and Ares, god of war. Yeah, but like mm-hmm. technically the first ever, like the original mention of him mm-hmm. is, like that is like the most, yeah. it's like an accepted version is that, that he's their son. Mm-hmm. But um, Eros was also listed as one of the original, like, primordial gods. Yes, I have heard that as well. So, Mm -hmm. like, he essentially came from chaos. And, like, he was one of the, like, the first listed, too. Like, it was essentially, like, after, like, Earth and 
um, another realm, and then um, and then it was Eros. So there's like there are two versions. Yeah, the, I've heard multiple versions mm-hmm. of like how he had come to exist. I guess yeah. you want to say um, for the purpose of the story I'm going to tell today, she yeah. is in fact a son of Venus because I'm going to be using the Roman versions of names. So um, Venus is Aphrodite. Um, that's all we really need to know. Yeah. Psyche stays Psyche. I know you had done a little bit of research into that. Yeah, because I was curious because I was familiar with the story before. Um, a lot of people are, I'm sure, familiar with the story without realizing perhaps, yeah. you know, what this story is fully by just like hearing the title uh, Cupid and Psyche. But we had both mentioned like how we thought it was interesting that it's Cupid and Psyche, where mm-hmm. that's like a mix of Roman and Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, why wouldn't it be Eros and Psyche? Or like, where's her Romanized name? So I did like a little research behind that. And it is written like almost everywhere as Cupid and Psyche. Psyche. And n- sometimes it's written as Eros and Psyche, but that's the only other mis- uh, version. Like, version of it. Um, the f- Eros being the Greek word for love and Psyche being the Greek word for soul. Or desire. Or for, desire. Okay. For, for love. It's oh, Eros okay. Is, yeah, desire. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that's like where where it came into. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cupid and Psyche, the first time that it is actually like we found it in written text is in Metamorphoses, or also known as your <laughs> title that you are more prone to call it by. The Golden Ass. Yes. <laughs> as in donkey. Yeah. Um, so that was written in the second century AD by um, Apuluia, Apuluius. Um, he has like a longer name, but that's the name that he's really known by. And I also found out, fun fact, that this is the only Latin novel that survived in its entirety. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> you know, right? Isn't that really cool? That's like, really cool. Crazy to think of. Um, yeah. So essentially, like it was written in this text first, though we do know it was mentioned like in Greek art in the fourth century BC. So this story is like a very, very, very old story. Mm-hmm. It was just in the second century AD that we first see it written down. Wow. And then, but, um, and then in the art, it is Eros because this is like Greek art. But yeah, yeah the first tech text that it's actually written in, it's listed as Cupid and Psyche. Mm-hmm. So Cupid it's really interesting that like they didn't ever use like the, um, like a Romanized name for Psyche in the story. Like, even yeah. though this is, that was like a Latin text. So this is like Roman based. Yeah. Um, They still just use Psyche's Psyche. name. Which That's I find. really interesting. I know, right? And I like thought it was just interesting. Like, I don't know. I always find like their names interesting and stuff. So I mm-hmm. like the idea that it's like, like the soul and desire yeah. like together and yeah. everything. Like it's so beautiful. Yeah. But I'll and let then, you get to the yeah, story we'll before I like that. really get into that. Yeah. Yeah. I um looked up a couple of versions of the story, just like brush up on it. And um there was even one version that like it was called Cupid and Psyche, but they actually never use the name Cupid. They just called him love mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing. And then like Venus was still Venus. Um so let's just pop into the story. This is actually one of my favorite um, Greek myths. So we've originally had Orpheus and Eurydice a few, uh, maybe not a few, a few months ago we did a uh, story on, or well, we connected a Japanese myth to Orpheus and Eurydice. And Orpheus mm-hmm. and Eurydice is my personal favorite Greek myth, but this is very much a second favorite. So I'm excited to pop into it. 
So um, I'm going to try to tell it as concisely as possible. And so um, we start the story with a king who has three beautiful daughters. And so um, the two first, the eldest daughters, so the two eldest daughters were married to princes, and but we have Psyche, who's the youngest. And she was so beautiful that uh, people wanted to see her pass through the cities. Um, they started to um, almost mistake her for Venus, the goddess of beauty, and um, in turn have had stopped worshiping Venus in the way that they had worshiped her before. And so, of course, being a, a goddess, <laughs> she was Venus is not happy with this. And so she wanted to basically cast some revenge on Psyche for being so beautiful. And so she called her son Cupid um, to sharpen his weapons and to basically harm her, to um, hurt her. Um, so Cupid comes down to Earth while Psyche is sleeping and he tries to hurt her but she opens her eyes while he's in the middle of doing that and because of that he actually hurts himself and also finds her to be so lovely that he can't go through with yeah. it. And I yes. feel like we should note, like, the weapon that we're that you're referring to is his arrow. Oh, yeah, I should mention <laughs> that. That's really important, Cupid. It is, he was basically harmed by Cupid's arrow. Yeah, like, he, he, got, he, he harmed himself. He pricked himself. And because so, of that, when you're, when you get pricked by Cupid's arrow, the first thing you lay your eyes upon is really what becomes your love. love. Yeah. Which can be harmful or yeah. really beautiful, depending on yeah. what you land your eyes on. So, anyway. Venus was really upset that, um, like, Cupid's attack on Psyche didn't quite happen. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, she put basically a curse upon Psyche. And so no suitors wanted to go see her or marry her. And so that obviously was a problem for Psyche's parents who wanted to make sure that she was um, taken care of and married off, especially because the two eldest sisters had their princes. Um, not that we need princes to be happy, <laughs> but like... <laughs> The um, but the parents anyway. They go to they make a journey to the oracle, and asked for some advice as to why Psyche was not having any suitors there to woo her. And basically, the oracle is like, Psyche will not be falling, and like Psyche will never be with a mortal. Mm -hmm. Um, she'll never wed a mortal. Um, he like actually she will be with someone who overcomes and this is the wording he overcomes gods and men and so this is really scary to psyche's parents who interpret this um kind of prophecy as psyche's lover being a monster yeah. and the oracle um tells the parents that um this this person this thing that she's gonna marry is um waiting for her on yonder mountain mm -hmm. and so um they're really upset um and they realize that they've kind of figured that they angered venus for some reason and psyche gives herself up and is like okay give me give me to this monster i'm gonna go on the mountain so they they all go they leave her on the mountain um and 
she's awaiting her fate. They all leave, like her family all leave her. And so once she's, um, everybody's out of sight. Uh, yes. And they kind of make it like, like in the story that I heard, yeah. like after she found out the fate that like, and in the story I heard too, it's like, um, the monster is supposed to be dragon-like. Yes. Which yes. I think is so cool. Yes. Just I, that is in, like, the version I looked into. It's just mentioned a little bit later yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. But it, that is true. It is supposed to be dragon-like. But, and then, like, not only do they, like, leave her, but, like, they straight up, like, they, it's kind of like they give her funeral rites. Yeah. Too. Like, so it's not just like they're like, okay, we're just gonna abandon you on this mountainside. Mm-hmm. It's like they give like this whole yeah, she, like, like knows she's, she's done. gonna die. Yeah. Like she I should have mentioned that too. She knows she's gonna like or doesn't know, but there yeah. is like a, they dress her up for it. They yeah, they, yeah they're like propping her up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so they do like that those funeral rites. She's waiting on the mountain, and uh, then Zephyr, the West Wind, the kind West Wind, comes and uh, befriends her and uh, gives her, he lifts her up in his arms and he carries her t- to a valley below and um, she falls asleep in the grass there. And then when she wakes up, it's near sunset again and she has um, some, she looks for some signs of like the monster's approach because, you know, obviously it's not there yet. Um, or he's not there yet, um, (laughs) I guess we should say. So from the valley, she, um, ends up in this beautiful house. I'm just kind of like skipping over to her getting to this house. And it's like this beautiful dream house. There's a pool and, um, like food, like basically like, (laughs) what, how did you say? Like like, like beers beers on on the table. And so it's this house um yeah that again is basically like this beautiful dream house um think like beauty and the beast style yeah like this these everything everything is there for for, yeah everything is there for her um service for her to command and so it's like basically this really awesome place that i would love to be too i know right and so she kind of comes to this conclusion before um he comes that this this person that she um, was basically, like, I don't want to say, like, sacrifice to, but, like, but, this person she was, this monster that she was given to is really yeah. no monster at all. And so as the day kind of breaks and it turns into nighttime, um, this monster comes and realizes that, and she realizes that he's not a monster, but she cannot see him. It's just, like, a voice. And um, he is not interested in her seeing him. This is kind of the... Uh, the promise between them where it's like okay you can have all these beautiful things you can live in this house but you can't see my face like mm-hmm. uh, all I ask from you and this is what he asks of her is for you to just love me there's nothing to fear but just love me as I am and we'll just continue this relationship where I leave in the daytime and we'll be together in the nighttime but you can't look at my face mm-hmm And so she goes through her days kind of content from that. You know, she's in this beautiful place. She's not dead. She's not dying. He really wasn't a monster. Um, But uh, she's not able to see, I guess we can call her him now, her husband, her Mm -hmm. husband's face. And so she starts to miss her family. And she asks her husband one night if she would be able to see her sisters. And he has no qualms about this. He's like, yeah, you can invite your sisters. And so um, 
Zephyr, the West Wind, brings her sisters one day, and she's showing them everything. And and this is a house that's descri- described as being like even more beautiful than like her father's castle. Um, so even though the sisters are married to princes, they cannot believe the fact that Psyche is in this sort of amazing situation and so they get into psyche's mind and is like well you know maybe he really is a monster maybe he's kind of like fattening you up if you will (laughs) like and and making it out like this is such a wonderful thing but actually like something bad's gonna happen and Mm -hmm. and they say this out of um it's kind of implied that they say this out of jealousy but of course psyche is gonna hold on to that and latch on to that and and question does my husband really love me? Is he lying to me? Are these bad things going to happen? And I'm just being oblivious to it because I'm so satisfied and so content right now. And um, so one night when her husband is sleeping and and her sisters actually recommend her to like actually look at his face. So again, that she takes that from her, her sisters and he's sleeping and she takes a lamplight and puts it to his face while he's sleeping. Um, you know, thinking that she's going to see something really monstrous and really disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, she sees the most beautiful man that she's ever seen in her life because basically her husband is love incarnate. He's the son of Venus. He's gorgeous. And um, he wakes up and he is upset. He's upset that she would um, break his trust and that she would do that even though he specifically asked for her not to see him and not to look at him because he just wanted someone to love him without knowing who he was. Um, because I think, you know, it's this idea of like, you know, him being love incarnate, him being this this beautiful God, it's like people are just expected to love him and he wanted someone who had no um, kind of external reasons to love him and so he flies away the palace this beautiful home that they had vanished the minute cupid vanished and um psyche goes back actually um journeys back to the city where she came from to go see her sisters to tell them the story of like how her disbelief of her husband had ruined her relationship and she realizes and she goes to um in the version I saw, she go Demeter comes and talks to Psyche. But really, the most important part of this story right now is that Psyche understands that she made a huge mistake and she wants to fix it. And in order to fix it, she goes um, to Venus because Venus is obviously not happy. One for the fact that you know Psyche is Psyche, and Venus had problems with her in the beginning, but now Psyche has deeply upset her son, and yeah. so so. The next order of business is to go kind of to Venus and see how she can fix and remedy the situation. And so now we kind of have um, like the trials that we see in some Greek mythology and Venus gives Psyche three trials, um, which I'll go through quickly. And so first um, Venus leads um, Psyche into like a chamber with like grains and beans and stuff and um, wants her to separate every single, um, separate all of them and, um, do it by nightfall. I believe there's like a time limit. There's a time limit yeah. because Venus is going to like a party essentially. Oh, <laughs> like, really? I yeah. didn't even know that. She's that off getting the- drunk. So it's by the time she gets home. <laughs> I, that's not in the version I read. That's hysterical. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she has to like separate 
like these these different grains and these beans by nightfall and so she's trying to do it she's like completely freaking out she even like says in this version that like hercules would have even been or well heracles (laughs) heracles hercules whatever version you want to use would um would have been like really helpless at this task (laughs) as well so like really self-depreciating but then um there were actually ants that decided to like help her out and separate it it. and so she was able to get the task completed um which we'll talk about it later but reminds me a little bit about like cinderella and vaslisa which we talked about a few episodes before but anyway next task we have um so venus brings her to a river and points to um a prong, points across the water to where uh, sheep with the golden fleece are, and so uh, Venus wants a golden lock from every single sheep, um, or Psyche should just give up. Basically, yeah. she says, and um, Psyche's like, okay, that doesn't seem too difficult. But as she's like stepping into the water to cross the river, um, some like river nymphs come through, and they're like, hey, like these sheep are not nice, and like this is gonna be actually really, really difficult. So we're gonna give you some advice, and you should wait until um, the shadows are like long, so until it's like they go to sleep, um, so that you can cross the river and like pick it from the pasture, like pick, um, so not necessarily picking it from the sheep, but picking it from the pasture. And so Psyche waits um, until all the sheep rest. And by twilight, she has returned to Venus with her arms full of shining fleece, which Venus is still like, how could you have done this? Like this is no mortal wit could have done this. So she's like extremely pissed off. So she's like, okay, I'm gonna really like mess you up and um she gives oh my god I forgot Psyche's name for a second she gives Psyche a box and I'm gonna use the Greek name because I don't really know how to pronounce her Roman name we have Persephone right Mm -hmm. Persephina Persephina I think that's how you say it Persephina but Um, we all know I am not an expert at saying anything Persephina um so you know goddess of goddess queen of the underworld um and so Venus gives her a box and wants her to enclose some of Proserpina's Proserpina's Persephone's Persephone's beauty in a box and because because Venus says she's grown pale caring for her wounded son yeah because and so Psyche knew, and if you know, like, the story of Orpheus and Eurydice, no one can just go to the underworld mm-hmm. um, willy-nilly and think that they can come back. This voice starts to whisper in her ear and um, kind of tells her the way the way to avoid all the dangers of, of Hades and to, like, come out unscathed. So, um... But this voice also reminds her that Persephone, once Persephone gives her the box, she can't open it no matter how much she wants to. Um, so Psyche goes her way into Hades, finds her way back and forth from Hades safely, has the box, um, makes her errand know, well, while she was in Hades, she got the box from Persephone. And then she's hopeful, but like, 
she starts to get a little bit self-conscious and is like, okay, I've been doing all this work for Cupid and, you know, I must look a little weary. So like Venus doesn't need all the beauty in this box. I can steal a little bit for myself. So she does exactly what the voice tells her not to do. She opens the box and the energy of the underworld is not meant for mortal energy or mortal eyes. And so she dies like, immediately once she opens the box whoa yeah is that did you know that no that's not the story i've always heard oh well this is the version i'm telling you okay yeah she died the minute she opened the box and so cupid had he finally is recovered from his room his wounds like i guess from his hurt he's finally like kind of sat with himself um so he secretly uh, like fled his cha chamber to actually seek out and um find psyche and he found her lying like basically lying on um the wayside wherever she fell and he put her into a casket and he awoke her in this version and so he basically revives her and then he tells her to return to Venus to finish her, like, finish her task. Cupid goes to Mount Olympus and basically begs um, Zeus and his mom and everybody that he, well, he doesn't beg. He, like, seeks to prove how in love he is with Psyche. And long story short, like, Venus finally relents and is like, okay, I guess I've, like, quote-unquote, forgiven Psyche. And they invite, well, they, the gods of Mount Olympus, the gods and goddesses of Mount Olymp Olympus, <laughs> invite Psyche up to um, Mount Olympus, and they give her divine ambrosia, and she officially becomes immortal. And in this version, which I know you don't know, she actually... Um, gains two wings which is yeah. beautiful yeah and i found out that the greeks used to call butter like a word for butterfly was psyche mm -hmm. so i think that's really cool I'm yeah sorry. well it says here and even as a butterfly bursts from its dull cocoon so the human psyche blossoms into immortality that's ah, the last line I love and it. so um cupid takes her by the hand and they're forever gonna be together they will never be parted again. That's and that is beautiful. the story of Cupid and Psyche, which is one of my favorites. It's a beautiful story. It is a really cute story. And then um, they, it, it's not, it didn't say it at the end of this version, but Cupid and Psyche do have a child and their child's name is Pleasure. Pleasure yes. comes from Cupid and Psyche. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what the, the name of the child is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A couple, like, just like, they, yes. in like the version that... Like, the story that I was told about it, it wasn't necessarily that she died. I mean, it yeah. is. It's just, like, they use the word sleep. Like, oh, she falls asleep? Yeah. Like, she, like, in the box is, like, this great sleep. Mm. And she opens it, and then there's sleep. And then he finds, Cupid finds her, and then, like, removes the sleep from her face and puts uh, it back in the box okay. for them to, like, give yeah. to her. Um. So, like, and she wasn't put in a casket or yeah. anything like that. Oh, but there's, like, it's all the same story. Like, yeah, there's, like, the... subtle differences mm -hmm. in, like, the way yeah. that it's told and the way, that, like, I, the versions that I heard. Like, like I did hear, like, you know, she had ambrosia and then she became immortal, but I didn't get the whole wing thing. Mm -hmm. But that also Actually, makes sense. Actually, I should have mentioned when she first sees him, 
she sees that he has like rainbow like rainbow wings like that was like one of the big things mm. that she sees and so like i think that also ties into the fact that she also gets has wings. wings yeah and i think it makes sense for the storytelling of it because we know that cupid and psyche and like cupid in general so like eros who becomes cupid who also just becomes like the cupids or erotes and like these like winged figures of um that follow aphrodite and that cause mischief but also cause love and mayhem and all this stuff it then makes sense like you know you have like the romanized version of the cupids and psyches yeah why they both like why she's a winged figure too mm-hmm. and that they're like in this together like yeah both wings so like that makes sense oh, to storytelling yeah. you know mm-hmm. what i mean but um but it is cool, like, that, like, the story is the same. Also, I totally see what you mean about the Cinderella vibes. Yeah, so, um, first of all, and, and this has been, like, I guess, because Megan and I talked about this before we recorded the podcast and she sent me some research. I immediately, when I first discovered the story of Cupid and Psyche, thought it sounded a lot like Beauty and the Beast. You know, you have this yeah. monster aspect and then you have like these enchanted, like this enchanted house. Yeah, the enchanted house yeah. t- immediately was yeah. like, that's so Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Like literally like the table like has food prepared yeah, for you exactly. when you want Like to be, be our like, guest. Exactly. Like, you're just, they need to like do a little like can-can and like everything. Yeah, but like but- the only kind of like thing that I saw for like the Cinderella aspect at first was just the fact that she is two jealous sisters, which isn't so uh, much as like a yeah. Cinderella as just like a general well, like that's a prompt like, like evil stories. Yeah. Yeah, with the cause like not like the Disney version of Cinderella, but other versions which of Cinderella. I totally do see where it's like out. she has um like this task of like the evil stepmother throwing lentils all over the floor and then being like, oh you have to pick them up one by one and then yeah. Cinderella has help from the um birds like yeah. she, like by by the animals and they all help her um or like even the mice i think help her out and so that was very similar to like cinderella but like we also have the story and if you haven't listened um in january we had a baba yaga episode in which we tell the story of vaslisa the beautiful and vaslisa has like these tasks that need to get done by baba yaga and she has like this magical doll that will complete the tasks for her and so it was almost like psyche had the these like what you'd call impossible tasks but there was always something there to help her through the task and that was another similarity that I was like oh like that's interesting like that yeah like you have the supernatural force helping in a what seems like an impossible task Mm -hmm. yeah and like I did like find that people do think that this this story the Cupid and Psyche story is where a lot of those um tropes stem from like the Beauty and the Beast Cinderella other grim stories um it like makes the, sense it is it's very fairy tale like yeah you know? it is totally yeah. fairy tale like and something that i thought that i found out that i thought was really cool um like about the story on the whole like is that structurally this story mirrors the whole plot of the book that like this novel that it came from the oh. golden ass oh or metamorphosis yeah. so like it's what's called um misen abim I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say it, but it's like essentially like it's a story in a story. Oh. Um, because like in the story of Metamorphosis, there's like the main character, the one that gets turned into a donkey. Like mm-hmm. his name is Lucius, and he like messes with stuff that he sh- he messes with magic and wants to learn more about magic. 
and then like he shouldn't have he gets turned into a donkey he undergoes these trials and tasks and then in the end he's redeemed by isis actually um okay the egyptian goddess but so like this story is like it like kind of mirrors that story like on a smaller level and in the book metamorph in the novel metamorphosis like this story was even told as a story as a story as a story like the main character lucius was told by this one person who was told by this other person about this story and then he's telling the story of cupid and psyche and so that's the story as we know it is like told from him to him to him to him. Oh my like, god, that's up. so interesting. And like it's used in that story because he's trying to like placate this person in charity who's like, like they're they I'm not gonna get into it because yeah. it's like this whole thing, but it also has to do with like love and like abandoning love and being stuck in a cave and all of this stuff. But um, I just thought it was really cool that it's like a, that like structurally it is like the story in the story um and something else really cool that i found out about this story because like like i said i've known the cupid and psyche story it's a story that like a lot of us know you don't acknowledge it Mm -hmm. as like the title cupid and psyche yeah but something that i learned that i had not known before is like so the aspect of the story where she the curiosity like takes over her and we see that also as like a common trope Mm -hmm. in greek stories but also a lot of stories um but specifically where she takes the lamp, yeah. the oil lamp, mm-hmm. and she looks at Cupid. So, like, the way, the reason why he's woken up is because of the fact that, like, the oil lamp, the oil spills on him, mm-hmm. it wakes him up, and then we get into that whole scene where he essentially flees her, yeah. and yada yada. Um, so some people think that the use of the lamp to mm-hmm. look at him is kind of, like, reflects this uh ancient divination practice practice which is oh. called yeah it's called lycnomancy and also referred to as like lycnomancy itself is um like essentially you use three flames from three identical candles put in a triangle to decipher information to divine okay. information mm-hmm. um but it's also called l- lampadomacy which is like lamp like you actually use an oil lamp and you use an oil lamp or the flame from a torch to like you read the flames like to divine information so like a lot of people think that that is a reflection of that ancient it was like really popular in ancient egypt actually and so like you have that idea that like she is using the flame to divine his identity mm. like she actually uses the flames like to, look like, at his face out. yeah but like it's kind of like a reflection of like she's using flame to divine who he mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and i think it's really interesting and i just thought yeah. it was really interesting to like think that that's like a like a tie in to the story or at least like how um apelius yeah like the writer of metamorphosis mm-hmm. how he portrayed it and we know that there's like a lot of ties of ancient Egyptian I mean like like I said in that story of metamorphosis he's rescued by Isis who's an Egyptian goddess yeah so it's just cool like to see like these like little Little. things first off I I would have never I've never heard of divining by I've heard of divining by flame but not specifically like this like from an oil lamp and Mm -hmm. that there's like a specific name for For it like it's like an established and I found it fascinating that like you can see that as like I said essentially like a reflection of that kind of divination like that magic and we know that there's all these kinds of like magics and 
different mysteries and yeah. that were told by the ancient Greeks that were then passed in stories and texts that we don't know we don't know necessarily where like where to spot them you know mm-hmm. what I mean so this could be like an example of that you know oh wow yeah yeah so I just nice. I love really that cool. I'm glad that you deep dived into that because that was stuff that I had no idea about and that's like really interesting yeah it's just so cool. yeah it is and i like cool. learning stuff about like a, a story like an old story like when you learn new things about yeah. something that you've just known like yeah. you know what i mean yeah these stories that are told to us like as kids yeah well i learned this story three years ago but it changed my whole life oh yeah cupid and nice. psyche was kind of a and it was um a recent re- revelation for you yeah it's such a I cool didn't know story, the story like when i was a kid or anything yeah. i mean i don't know if i knew the whole story as a kid like, mm-hmm. I definitely probably found out more, like, when I started reading about, like, ancient yeah. Greek mythology and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But, like, I learned so much just <laughs> in doing, like, like background research for this. Yeah. Like, also, like, how that text was the most complete, like, the only complete novel from, yeah. like, Latin text. Like, oh that's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. And it's crazy to think, like, how these stories are told and passed down and changed and, like, even just, like, from you and I having heard different stories, like, think about, like, how old the story, if we first see, like, Eros and Psyche portrayed in Greek art 4,000, like, from the 4th century BC, Mm -hmm. like, that's wild. So, like, how many versions of this This has been passed down? Trickled through and... And even seeing it again in, like, our, our modern-day fairy tales. True. Like, yeah. Beauty and the Beast yes. and Cinderella. I mean, even though those aren't, like, modern-modern, like, still, like... No, they're, yeah, like, they are more modern. They are more modern than, like, this. That so. ancient. Because, like, when I read these stories, I was like, wow, this is, like, so, like, reminiscent. Or, like, maybe reminiscent. Yeah, no, no, totally. But, yeah. But, um... Yep. That's the story of Cupid and Psyche. So, should we take a little it. break? Yeah. I mean, I know last year we had um, a Lupercalia episode for our first episode, and that was, like, all on Valentine's Day, like, tradition, and where Valentine's Day could um, have, like, come from or, like, been adapted from. But I do like the idea of, for our out-of-the-average anniversaries, uh, telling some love stories. And so this is our first official out of the average anniversary and we told the love story of Cupid and Psyche and I think I'd enjoy to like continue that tradition on. I'm here for that. I think that's adorable. This is an anniversary I'm happy to celebrate. (laughs) So I'm here for all the out of the average love love stories. (laughs) stories. So um, to prep us for next year, (laughs) send us all your uh, love stories that you'd like (laughs) us to tell. Maybe not all your love stories. Not all of them. Maybe just some weird ones. Maybe some out of the average ones yeah any other we're always down for mythology yeah i mean i also think it would be fun for like mythology stories like yeah just like little stories stories. yeah mythology love stories so i I think i i love that little tradition to start i'm really glad though that you decided to kick that off with um cupid and psyche though and Mm -hmm. i think it's cool because like cupid's been cropping up in other places yeah um well really eros has Mm. like so for me personally yeah um a couple of weeks back, I did a goddess reading, and one of the two gods that came to mm-hmm. 
was Eros, actually. And I think it was really just awesome. Like, he was there. Like, I'm not going to get super into what the meeting was. And his message was kind of short and sweet. But it was a lot about, um, like, Mm self-love and making sure that I'm sticking to, like, the more youthful side of some of the things that I'm looking into and um yeah and just making sure that I'm really attentive to my own self-care and self-love um so I just love that you picked Cupid like this story about Eros I've said it before this is like one of my favorite Greek myths I'm here to honor him and Eros and Cupid has always been one of those uh gods that I've always felt very like connected to Mm -hmm. like I like even in high school and I I told you the story before like I remember being in business class and like sketching him not like the baby version like (laughs) like like you know like like his first yeah like his first true version and but the version of him that he was like blind I like Mm -hmm. remember drawing like the blindfold and everything and so I love the fact that you like you have a connection to him as well yeah like I don't know. I just love this story and I just love love. So like, it's exciting. And so I was happy to be able to share a little story like that. Thank you so much Mm -hmm. for sharing it. So if you have any love stories that you want to share with us to get us ready for our second year anniversary. Oh yeah, because we will be here, guys. We'll be here next year, um, assuming that the the world doesn't like go crazy. Don't say that. (laughs) We made it through this pandemic. We made it through. through We'll make it through everything. Um, you can email us at outoftheaveragepod at gmail.com. And we also have our website, outoftheaveragepod.squarespace.com. And you can also reach us on Instagram. Send us a message or a comment or whatever you want um, at outoftheaveragepod. Cool beans. So, everybody, we've stayed weird for a year. And we're going to continue. So. Yeah, we hope you do, too. Stay weird. <laughs>